Hey there, listeners. This is Justin with a quick note before today's episode. Spotify recently allowed users to start leaving reviews for podcasts, and I would greatly appreciate it if you would consider listening to the show on Spotify, leaving us a positive review. I don't even think you have to write anything in. You just get a star rating and that's it. But uh, if you're willing to do that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks and enjoy today's show. Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Nasiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today's episode number 418, Becoming a Bakery Director with Ranjit Singh of Aspire Bakeries. It's a busy job, fancy title, but you manage this industrial facility, right? So we produce artisanal breads here where I'm at. This is actually the La Brea Bakery for Aspire Bakeries, um, one of two industrial artisanal bakeries. We uh, produce, if it's artisanal, you, you eat it. So uh, Starbucks sandwiches, we produce that here. Um, a lot of the sourdoughs that you'll get at the your local supermarkets, uh, paninis, focaccias, a lot of those, those types of breads is what we produce here. Uh, and it is an industrial facility, so we do make quite a bit. We average about a million pounds of finished product a week. Big facility. It's a 130,000 square foot facility with three production lines. Special thanks to Steve Bain for making this intro. Uh, such a different story. And Ranjit's a, an incredible background of going from the Marine Corps as an avionics division non-commissioned officer and then choosing to go down a path uh, we'll call it centered around food and operations including roles like being a plant supervisor at safeway shipping department supervisor at albertson's operations manager at ralph's grocery company plant manager at Bakemark. you probably recognize all of those names you've definitely had one of his products from aspire bakeries uh, where his uh, focus is on frozen baked goods but so much to learn today about why he chose to focus on this industry the advantages of being so focused in this way and what it's like to be a bakery director what his day-to-day life looks like as always at beyondtheuniform.org you'll find show notes with links to everything we discuss as well as over 400 other episodes just like this one all offered for free so with that let's dive into my conversation with ranjit well joining me today in los angeles california my guest is ranjit singh ranjit welcome to beyond the uniform hey justin thank you so much very excited to be here exciting opportunity honored to be a guest awesome well i want to give context first and then i'll give background so context is very appreciative of steve bain connecting us we went through our syracuse mba program together frankly i'd love to hear his podcast just to get caught up on all the things he's been getting into since we last saw each other steve had sent me ranjit's background and just as you'll hear it's very different than other interviews we've done so i'm excited to hear his journey for listeners i want to give a quick rundown on ranjit he is the bakery director at aspire bakeries which is a North American baking company with a leadership position in specialty frozen baked goods. Some of their brands you may recognize are La Brea Bakery, Otis Funkmeyer, and Oak Run Farm Bakery. Piecing together Ranjit's story from LinkedIn, here's what I know so far. He served in the Marine Corps for nearly five years as an avionics division non-commissioned officer. He worked as a plant supervisor at Safeway, a shipping department supervisor at Albertsons, an operations manager at Ralph's Grocery Company, 
and a plant manager at Bakemark. He earned his BSBA in management from Columbia College and an MBA from Syracuse University. So first thing, Ranjit, anything to add or amend that bio? I, well, I served for eight years. I left a few years out uh, in Okinawa, Japan, served a few years there. Other than that, no, you're spot on, Justin. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let's start with what you're doing right now. What does a bakery director do? Uh, well, a lot. Uh, it's a busy job, fancy title, but uh, you manage this industrial facility, right? So we produce artisanal breads here where I'm at. This is actually the La Brea Bakery for Aspire Bakeries. I'm one of two industrial artisanal bakeries. We uh, produce... If it's artisanal, you you eat it. So uh, Starbucks sandwiches, we produce that here. A lot of the sourdoughs that you'll get at the your local supermarkets, uh, paninis, focaccias, a lot of those are, those types of breads is what we produce here. And it is an industrial facility, so we do make quite a bit. We average about a million pounds of finished product a week. Well, distributed, <laughs> yeah, big facility. It's a hundred and thirty thousand square foot facility with three production lines. I'm trying to picture them at 130,000 square feet is like, I mean, would that fit in a, in a football field or would that uh, like, what does that even, what's my uh, comp on that? A best buy? Is that a, <laughs> so you got the 50 yard wide football field. It's 150 feet by 300 should be okay. About three football fields. Wow. Football All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. But we do have a big staff and um, my team is great. Uh, I've been with the company for four months, so I'm still fairly new, but very excited. It's been great so far. I've enjoyed every second. What's your team look like? So I have a production manager, a maintenance manager, sanitation manager, environmental health and safety manager, and a continuous improvement manager, which is currently open and I am interviewing for. Uh, and then the staff cascades down to the supervisory level. Uh, where they manage the floor. And what is your, you know, in my mental picture, I'm picturing you with a hard hat wandering around, you know, supervising things. Like what is it as much as there is a typical day? What's kind of like some of the things, some of the activities that you're doing throughout the day? Sure. So it is a busy facility and there's a lot of movement. We do have forklifts in the facility and it's industrial equipment. So safety is one of our biggest objectives here. I actually do have a hard hat. Uh, it's right behind me here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Uh, it's right here, and I use it for when I do hit the floor. So, yeah, I mean, you have a lot of industrial machining parts, and you try to engineer any dangers you can out of out of processes because human beings are human beings, and that human element cannot be taken out. So you try to engineer everything you can out of it. Safety being, is, being our biggest pr uh, priority, we then transition over to productivity, quality, uh, standard quality indicators for the industry in terms of food manufacturing. How much of this, you know, I'm just thinking of two things from what I read about your background. So avionics division, I'm imagining there's a lot of process and logistic and structure there. And then as an NCO, I'm, I'm just imagining you had a lot of experience managing people. How does that training relate to what you're doing right now? Does it feel the, the same? Does the leadership feel different? Does the activity feel the same? Does it feel different? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because... Coming out of the military, it was primarily aviation that I worked in. So naturally, I went to apply for in the aviation field for with Lockheed, with the companies of that nature. A lot of the work that's offered there is union work. And uh, sometimes when you enter with low seniority into a union environment, you're not guaranteed work. That's what kind of led me to branch out to uh, any other field I could. And I kind of fell into manufacturing. And the similarities, there are a lot. The camaraderie that you kind of develop on this manufacturing floor. Uh, draws a lot of parallels to what uh, I encountered when I was in the Marine Corps. And I, I grew to love it. I kind of fell right in, hit the ground running. It's very similar. You know, you, urgency is uh, one of the main drivers. So you got to stay pedal to the metal and, and keep going. 
And I've truly enjoyed it. When I look at your background, I see the through line and kind of like what I consider grocery and, and like it's the who's who of, of stores that you've worked with. It's Safeway, Albertsons, Ralph's Grocery, like everyone knows those names. And then, you know, one of the things that was occurring to me as I was looking at your background is like, then when you went to Bakemark and now with Aspire Bakeries, I'm curious, like what, if from my viewpoint, not knowing the industry, it's like, oh, it's kind of like you splintered off from the larger industry of groceries and went down further into like more baked goods. What led to that transition? Lack of growth, I would say, if I'm being completely transparent. Some of these bigger companies, there's not as much opportunity. It's very competitive. Essentially jumped at the opportunities that have been presented to me. I've, I've got a pretty aggressive career path and I'd like to stay on track. So every opportunity has been you know, an opportunity for me to grow in my career. And I think that's been the biggest driver for my movement because I know I realize it's been a lot of movement in the last 10 years. But I would say that's probably the biggest. I got recruited to a couple uh, pretty heavily from previous employers, previous uh, managers and, and leaders and mentors. And that's kind of what led me here. You know, a prior mentor recruited me here and uh, he was promoted. He used to be the director here. He's now promoted to an executive level. Asked me to come aboard and, and take over his uh, his flagship plant. I mean, that's so great to be pulled in there. Do you feel like, because it sounds like these relationships have kind of pulled you with them into new endeavors, was there anything you were doing to keep that relationship alive? Or was it you just made like a dent on them in working together that they just kind of naturally thought of you years later? No, I think you keep in touch. Uh, here and there through LinkedIn and social media platforms. But I do think that the relationships you build together while you're together, they do leave a lasting impact. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have left a positive one. My last two moves were recruited by, you know, prior mentors and prior managers. So I think it's a little bit of both. You know, you keep in touch and you're happy for people. You celebrate people. I was really lucky to get this opportunity. And you mentioned this, you know, you are like rapidly progressing and growing, it's clear that you're like focused on cultivating these skills. Do you have a sense of like, where does this go? Is there like a position or a company or type of company where you're like, this is what I'm gunning for? Is it more just open exploration of like whatever seems interesting? What's kind of like the North Star for you? It is a little bit of open exploration. And I like getting to new companies and kind of learning their values and understanding. You get a different point of view once you're in with a company and I've been really pleasantly surprised with Spire Bakers. It's a wonderful company. I'm actually, I know I'm only four months in, but I feel very comfortable here. And I could see myself staying here for the long term, uh, unlike any of my other positions that I've stayed at before. You have to get to a place where you're stable in your life. And I feel like I've reached that position to where I don't need to be as aggressive. Me and my family, both fiscally and career-wise, I feel I'm in a position where I'm comfortable and I can truly develop as a leader here. When you made the transition to Bake Mark and now at Aspire, do you have like a culinary inclination? Are you a good baker? Are you a good chef? Like, was that a necessary prerequisite or is it more that you knew logistics? You knew how to supervise a plant and therefore you could learn, you know, from, from grocery into, into more of the uh, bakery side of things? Right. I think it's more the latter. Um, because straight out of the military, I did go into manufacturing. It's a different type of manufacturing uh, for Bonds and Albertsons. Um, but I think it's just logistical being in the supply chain in general. Uh, my MBA from Syracuse uh, does have a major in supply chain management. So I've been able to leverage some of that uh, education that I've had and just experience in the industry. Like I said, there are a lot of parallels with the military. Uh, and I think that's helped me from the get-go, being able to hit the floor and, and get folks going on what we need to get done and being able to you know get everybody excited, get buy-in from our folks. We spoke, spoke just briefly before we started recording. I was also curious, as much as you're able to share, you have been in a vital element, right? You're in food. All of us need this to survive. And you're also going through 
historically, what I'm imagining is one of the more challenging period in a very long time when it comes to distribution of food and supply chain and all of these things. What has this last year, year and a half been like for you with that uncertainty and the pressure and the unpredictableness of all the moving pieces of what you do? Sure. Uh, it's an incredibly difficult situation. Uh, one that I've never been in, certainly, and I'm sure a lot of other folks. I think probably the most difficult part for me was that folks had to lose their jobs, essentially. We, the workforces were depleted down to... My last company was... We depleted close to 66% of our workforce because there was no oh, demand. Man. So you can imagine those are some pretty difficult conversations you're having with folks. And as a plant manager, you have a responsibility to sit down with each one of your associates, right? Here we have 270. Uh, my previous employer, we had about 150. Close to 90 of them, you have to either lay off or furlough. And uh, those are some of the hardest conversations that you can have. Other than that, I mean, the supply chain shortages and the workforce shortages, I think um, we're starting to turn the corner. But we're still seeing that we're having a hard time hiring folks, just like the rest of, of the supply chain. What do you like most about your the work that you do, and what's one of the the more challenging aspects of it? I think so. I love coaching and teaching. The happiest I've ever been is when you can enlighten someone to show them that they're capable of performing a process or doing something. Once you see their eyes light up and you see that realization hit them, that's the greatest feeling in the world for me. I mean, it's yeah. awesome. I do. I have it with my kids every day. It's the best feeling for me. Toughest, I would say, in a big facility like this, communication is very difficult to get to the very the very hourly associates, all of our hourly associates. So communication, I would say, is one of our biggest opportunities and probably one of my biggest personal frustrations, just because we have so much of it going back and forth. And it's difficult to get every message across. And when folks don't get that message, sometimes uh, things can get misinterpreted and folks can feel undervalued. And that's not our intent at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's probably one of my biggest hurdles at this point. I had just seen on, I think it was LinkedIn, someone had placed a poll. I guess there was a company that laid off 900 employees by Zoom. And, and you know, I, 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 I don't know. That. I saw that. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know the details at all. So I don't know, you know, I'm imagining that was probably necessary based on their workforce. But, you know, I can't imagine you or your team like that, you know, that 60% reduction workforce, like having to do that, especially when it's face-to-face, -face, like it's just... The amount of uncertainty that brings into someone's life and the stress and the self-value and all of that. And then, you know, there's also a necessary component where there's not the demand. And so it's preserving the company. Like that's not, you know, at least for me in the military, that's not something I ever had to do, right? Hiring, firing is something I never really needed to do. How did you train for that? Or how did you learn how to do that? You know, those were the most difficult conversations I've ever had in my life. Tears were shed. You build relationships with uh, some folks and you don't really train for it. I, I don't think I was ready for it. I handled it as best I could. I mean, I certainly do not want to go through that again. Some of the learnings I think I gained from that is to be compassionate, more compassionate, you know, have that empathy for folks. And sometimes you just need to sit and listen. And if that's an extra half hour, then that's what you, what you have to do so that folks know that you're vested because there's only so much that you can do as a business. And there was so much power that I had as a, you know, as a plant manager, I only control so much. So I think that's probably the biggest takeaway is that you are you're impacting folks lives you don't need to understand the weight of that i can even just sense the way that you took that seriously and with empathy and compassion and giving flexibility and all, all of these things but i don't envy your having to do that that's just no matter who you are i think that's got to be a, a challenging conversation to have what about rewinding the clock a little bit so we talked in your bio i said you were a plant supervisor at safeway you were a shipping department supervisor. I know you were, there was other roles. I kind of looked to the to the most recent, most senior ones. So plant supervisor at Safeway, 
uh, shipping department supervisor at Albertsons and an operations manager at Ralph's Grocery. For listeners, you know, and myself in particular, who's unfamiliar with those roles, could you talk a little bit about what that looked like on a day-to-day and like what sort of activities you were doing there? So as a supervisor, you come in and it's a manufacturing facility. So you have good manufacturing uh, practices that you need to follow. There are multiple policies that you have to follow, including wearing a hairnet, wearing a beard net if you have a beard, things of that nature, right? No rings, no uh, no additional jewelry. You can't do anything of that. And as a supervisor, you really just manage the production, right? So there are quotas, essentially, that you need to meet, the production rates that should be kept, and you try to manage that and be successful in meeting all those goals. As a shipping supervisor, it was within the same company. Your goals changed slightly, your metrics changed slightly. So it was distribution versus the manufacturing. So you have goals on order selection. Are you picking enough uh, in the amount of time that you're given? Or is your workforce getting everything out in the amount of time that they're supposed to? Uh, that's high level. When I transitioned over to distribution, it was interesting because the Kroger, uh, the Ralph's distribution centers, they are for the most part automated. So you can imagine an Amazon warehouse, conveyors everywhere. They were about 92% automated. And so you have a bunch of mechanical equipment uh, flying overhead, conveyors overhead, and a fixed workforce for order selection. And then you kind of distribute that way. And once you transition back over to manufacturing, you face those same kinds of goals. So with Bakemark, we would make uh, flowers, jams, jellies. If you got it at a donut shop, it probably comes from Bakemark. Krispy Kreme is one of the biggest accounts there. And same sort of metrics, right? So you want to get out so many pounds, you have a production rate that machines are rated at, and you're expected to maintain that. What was necessary from coming from the Marine Corps? Like if someone wanted to go in this career path, is there certifications that help? You had an MBA, like I'm wondering if that was helpful. What resources would you recommend to listeners looking at this general type of career path? I think right now is a great time to get into manufacturing and I personally love it. Uh, It's a fast paced environment, so it's not for everybody. There are high stresses. You have big pieces of equipment that go down and there are big amounts of money that flow back and forth to get the plants, bakeries, whatever your, your industry is, to continue running. I do not think that my education played necessarily a, an integral part in, in, in me getting the role. I think that coming from the military prepares you. Uh, you, have an, you have order, you have structure. You're prepared to come into this environment and function at a high, at a high pace. Uh, I truly believe that. Uh, my biggest opportunity, I think, was probably uh, my conversation style. My, uh, I was a little bit too aggressive coming out of the Marine Corps. Uh, So I had to kind of temper that, get my emotional intelligence in check. Those are kind of the biggest challenges that I faced. Mm. I think just coming from the military, you're pretty well prepared to excel. You need to be able to learn, be ready to learn, come in and learn, and you will excel. That's great. You're not alone on that either. I feel like it's such a common theme of the the communication and EQ component and just kind of maybe not strengthening it, but, but reorienting it to a different population, different norms, different cultures. I was thinking in terms of LinkedIn and the, the, you know, the highest category they have when it comes to company sizes, 10,000 or more employees. So the other thing I was thinking of with your background is I'm like, okay, you've got Safeway, definitely 10,000 or more employees, Albertsons, 10,000 or more, Ralph's 10,000 or more. I, I believe Aspire has, at least on LinkedIn, it's like three high 300s, three to 400 employees. So significantly smaller company I'm imagining. And I'm just kind of curious what that feels like, you know, does it make any difference to your day-to-day going from a really big company to a smaller one or anything you like or dislike about that? Um, well, there are a lot of similarities. Nothing I necessarily dislike. Management styles are slightly different. Uh, with smaller companies like Aspire and Bakemark, they do tend to be close followers when uh, Albertsons and Kroger are the pioneers in terms yeah. of 
people development, bench spring, the newest innovative functions that you have to perform at your, at your facilities. So I'd say in terms of capital, we probably have a little bit of opportunity. I think that we're along the same lines. We're following. We have about 5,000 employees uh, with Aspire. So wow. it's somewhat of a bigger network. There are 15 bakeries throughout the U.S. and Canada. Mm. Uh, and I've got one. So we don't have the capital as one as like one of these big companies do. And I think that's probably the biggest hindrance in terms of commitment and from my leadership and the executive team here. Uh, it's been second to none. I, I think they're, they've been great. If you had like the kind of the dotted line of where things go from here, I'm wondering like what's next? So you said there's 15 different bakeries. Would the next step for you to be overseeing multiple ones of these bakeries or all of them? Like what's the career progression look like? Traditionally from here, you would oversee a region of bakeries. They're, they're, they're segregated into different sections. We produce for different customers, Costco, McDonald's, uh, multiple different customers. So yeah, I mean, I think that would be the next step. If I'm being honest, Justin, I think I, I want to settle in here yeah. and kind of become a master of my craft. I could see myself staying here for five plus years, just really, truly understanding this bakery and then getting to know some of the ones that are, there are a few around here in California. Um, like I said, we have them all over the country. I look forward to traveling to all of them. I would love to like have a meal with you. I'm just wondering like when you eat, it, do, you, do you have like a different view on food because you kind of know, like I'm just thinking like McDonald's, you have a burger and you're probably thinking through how the buns got there and how the beef got there, like how everything got there. Like it must be such a unique lens to view the world and something that I do three times a day and give very little thought to how that got to me. But I'm just kind of curious, like how you experience all of that. Yeah, it is. You do see the world differently, right? So I still recognize Kroger trailers, Vaughn's trailers, Albertson's trailers. When they're on the road, I see them um, when they're delivering because I remember our employees, you know, loading those loads up. When we do go, you go to an Albertson's or, or a Vaughn's or something of that nature, and you see uh, the La Brea Bakery artisan breads laid out, usually on an island. You know, usually have nice setup. You know, and you recognize that and you get a sense of pride, you know, in understanding that that's what you produce, there was an article that came out not too long ago. I forget the, the magazine, but it was on our cranberry walnut bread that we make, specifically out of La Brea Bakery and how uh, my local Costco was sold out every time I went to go look for it. It's exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I can see in the outside world that, uh, that has something to do with what we're doing inside of my facility. That's awesome. Well, I always like to leave the last question open-ended and, and that can either be, you know, is there anything I didn't ask about that you want to make sure listeners know, or you could view it as kind of final words of wisdom before we wrap up? No, I'm incredibly grateful for this uh, this opportunity. Thank you, Justin. Um, and I think this is awesome what you're doing. I haven't seen a whole lot of it, but yeah, let's get all of our folks transitioned over and, and to be successful. I'm all for it, man. This is awesome. Well, I appreciate your sharing your story, Ranjit. I'll thank Steve for connecting us, but it is such a unique role, but I can see the ways in which veterans are so well-suited to this career path. So thanks for sharing your time and perspective. Agree. Thank you, Justin. Surface, surface, surface. <laughs> Beyond the Uniform is written and produced by me, Justin Asiri, with the help from our Chief of Staff, Steve Bain, our Editor, Lex Brown, and our Head of Social Media, Janelle Hanf. We are an all-volunteer organization and would greatly appreciate your help in any of the following ways. First of all, spread the word. Beyond the Uniform has over 380 podcast episodes and 15 on-demand webinars, all offered for free. Help us spread the word on social media, at military bases, or whatever gets this resource in front of the men and women who need it. Positive reviews on iTunes go a long way towards this as well. Second of all, sponsorship. Beyond the Uniform relies on sponsorship to keep us going. There is so much more we'd like to do, but just don't have nearly the resources to do it. If you know of a company that would advertise in any way with Beyond the Uniform, please send them our way. 
third of all donations. If you're in a financial position to donate, you can find more information on the support section of our website. At our website, beyondtheuniform.org, you'll find over 380 episodes categorized by industry, functional role, and more. You'll also find both free and for purchase resources that take a deeper dive on topics related to career growth. Thank you for your support as we aim to help members of the military and their families thrive in their post-military career in life.